Holy God, we do lift this list up to you because you you care about each person on this list. And the, the beautiful thing about it all, Lord, is that you, you have a plan for each one of them. And you have a plan for each life on this earth. And, and many people struggle with the with just happiness and peace and contentment because they're looking in the wrong place. And, and you have a plan if they just uh, turn to you. And, and that's part of the our responsibility is, as a church is to carry that message that there's a loving, caring God in heaven and he has a plan for each life. But our sin has to be dealt with before he can work in our lives. And so we lift this list up to you. And Father, we just pray that you just keep working in these lives and bringing health, especially healthy souls and healthy spirit. And... Uh, Use these circumstances they're going to to strengthen them and build them up and bring them to salvation if that's needed and the family and friends around them. We just want your best for them. We continue to pray for our nation because you tell us to and that's, that's an ongoing, ever-changing situation of uh, the events and the things that are going on in, in, in our nation. And there's a real spiritual war going on in our nation between good and evil. And uh, Satan is definitely trying to get his program in place. And uh, so uh, you've called the church to be a light, and to be salt, and to stand for the truth, and to do it in a righteous manner, a kind and loving manner. And so, Father, I pray for the church in America, as I pray for this church here, that each church would function in the truth and in the light, controlled by the Spirit, so that you can use us and to be that restrainer until the day that you call us out, that glorious day when we'll be with you. But until then, Father, I just pray that salvation would happen. We continue to thank you for our missionaries, and we hold them up to you and just Bless them, Father, in a special way. Sometimes the holidays is tough because they're in a country where they're away from the family that they grew up with and friends that they grew up with, and sometimes it can get to be kind of lonely. So, Father, I just pray you'd bless them in a special way and encourage them and strengthen them as they go into the holidays. Now, Father, I just lift up this church and the works that you desire to do through us. And Father, I just pray that each one of us is a different place in our relationship with you and our spiritual growth and, and in our relationships with each other, Father. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be here this morning speaking to each heart where we're at. As you, only the Holy Spirit can do that type of ministry. We can't as individuals. So we're leaning and depending upon your Holy Spirit to minister to each and every one of us as only you can do. And so, uh, speak to us now, Lord. Open the scriptures. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship. I found one definition. It says it means to bow down, show respect, or submission to God or an idol or individuals. And we see a lot of that in our nation. Webster's Dictionary defines it this way. To honor or show reverence for, as a divine being, reverence offered a divine being. And so there's the verb and the noun aspect of, of worship. He uses the word reference, and then you look up the word re 
reverence, I said reverence, but I meant reverence, deep respect for someone or something, regard or treat with deep respect. So when we come to church on Sunday morning to worship as a group of believers, that needs to be an aspect of what's going on. There needs to be this deep respect, this deep reverence, in our case, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's where, as the inning, opening brought out, that's what worship's really all about. And uh, it can take on different forms. This morning we're going to look at three, I'm going to pick out three things, three aspects of worship, and we're going to look at that this morning. There's many of them. Healthy worship affects our whole life. What we do here, a healthy worship this morning, should affect us the rest of the week. That's God's plan. That's God's intention. He wants us to come together as a group of believers, bring our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, and have that affect us the rest of the week. Impact us in such a way that we impact the world. So what we're doing here this morning, is it's very important, and it's part of God's plan, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't take it lightly. That opening part of the service was very good because true worship is about the Lord Jesus Christ. The first words in the verses we're going to be looking at here shortly is rejoice always. Rejoice always. If you're born again, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we have something to rejoice about all the time. It don't matter what happens in this world. This gets to be a struggle, I understand that. It don't matter how bad my life is, I'm not going to get what I deserve, and that's eternal damnation. I've got something to rejoice about. I don't care what's going on in my life. I don't care what I'm walking through, and what I'm experiencing. I've got something to rejoice in. Jesus Christ saved me, and I'm not going to hell. Well, I, I need to focus on that and rejoice in that and praise him in that. that, that that's the essence of what we're coming here doing. We're gathering around the person of Jesus Christ and rejoicing in the fact we're saved, we're delivered from our eternal damnation, what we deserve. And not only that, he's a good and loving and gracious God, and he's delivering us from the power and dominion of sin. So we have something to rejoice and praise God and be thankful. These are aspects of worship, no doubt about it. Let's look at the text. <coughs> First Thessalonians 5. You, you looked at these same verses last week. You can compare me and Larry, see, what, see how we do if we do. And then you can put your vote in the box in the back, I guess. I don't know. Rejoice always, verse 16. Pray without ceasing. That's one of the things we're going to look at this morning. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. That's another point we're going to look at. Do not despise prophecies. That's the third point we're going to look at. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. If you want to learn a lot of verses and not have to learn a lot of words to learn a lot of verses, you can memorize that little section of Scripture right there and you can say, I memorized five or six verses. 
And you probably won't be dealing with no more words than you do with John 3.16. I don't know. I'd have to count them. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. We have to be careful in our prayer life that we just don't wind up in this repetitious words. Lee and I have discussed this a little bit about like praying up here, well, like the pastor's prayer. I pretty much go through the same form. I, I pray for our country. I pray for the people on the list. I pray for our missionaries. These are things the Bible. And that kind of is repetitious. Don't always use the same words, but they're very familiar many times. But that aspect of prayer is good because our government, the situation's changing all the time. So you just keep bringing our government and our leaders up before God. God's. Same way with the missionaries. Their, their situations, sometimes we get some information and we can focus our prayers a little differently. But basically, they have to deal with the same thing we have to deal with every day of life, and sometimes it's a little more difficult because uh, God gave them an assignment. And sometimes the devil gets pretty focused on those that's doing the will of God out there in the work. And so that part of it can be kind of repetitious, but now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. How many of us learned that growing up? And there's nothing wrong with learning that. But where's the heart in it? You can get where you can just, you're just spouting off words. And it says, pray without ceasing. Well, that, what does that mean? That we just continually barrage heaven with a bunch of words? No, I don't feel like that's what that means. I think it means to have this prayerful attitude continually. What does that mean? Pray without ceasing. I've got to the point where usually the first person I speak to in the morning is the Lord, and the last person I speak to at night is the Lord. That's usually the way it is in my life. The second person is my wife. She's usually the second person I speak to. And usually the last person I speak to. You see, in, in that situation, it, it means we are aware of his presence at all time, and so I'm in this continual state of communication. It doesn't mean I'm blabbing at him all the time, but as I go to the ranch and do things, I have conversations with him. A thought will come to my mind, and I'll throw that thought out there. Driving down the road is a great place to pray. You know, you, you just have this ongoing conversation. You might say something and then you be silent for a while. That's the way it is with Norn and I. You know, she'll ask me a question. I, well, I don't know and I'll think about it. Maybe a little later I'll give her an answer or something. You know, we try to go once a week for a meal. She does a lot of cooking, so I try to take her out for a meal once a week. And it wasn't going to work today, so I took her out last night. So we had a conversation on the way down. Where are we going to eat? You choose. No, it's your turn. you got to choose. 
She made me choose. We ate Mexican. But that's the, that's the thought. See, we're in the presence of each other. We had a get together on Thanksgiving. And my daughter came and her family came. And probably most of my conversation was focused with them, what they're doing, where they're at, and what's going on in their life. But you know who I was the most aware of in the house of all time? And it's a woman I've been living with for 50 years. I think that's the concept, this abiding. We need to get in this type of a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are in a continual place of communication. It doesn't mean we're blabbing continually, but we are continually aware of his abiding presence. So I visit with him about everything. There's nothing we can't talk to him about. Working cattle, feeding cattle. Visit with visit with him. He, when I got to do something mechanical, I need to be talking to him because I'm not mechanical. <laughs> I, just, I was changing the, I'll tell this story. This could have got embarrassing. I was trying to put a starter in my pickup in Jay's shop over there. Jay was doing chores, and I was down underneath there. And those of you that know, there's that bolt on the backside. Surely, of all the things we can do in this world, we could figure out how to put a starter on without having a bolt back in that place. But anyway, I got up there, and, got, and I got that bolt started, and I couldn't get my hand out. So here I am. <laughs> I'm laying here thinking, I'm going to have to wait for Jay. <laughs> Finally, I backed the stupid bolt off and figured out another way to put it out. got my hand out of there. But, you know, I talk to God in those situations. Do you? How do I get out of here? How do I get out of this, you know? Uh, and that's, I think this praying without ceasing, that's what, just he's here with us all the time, and he wants to be a part of everything we're doing, and he wants to communicate with us. He wants us to talk to him about these things. Ceaseless prayer is just a, an ongoing, continual communication with him 24-7. That's what it's really, I believe, I believe it's all about. And the next thing I'd like to look at, quench not the spirit. The spirit is to be a, every part of a believer's life. The Spirit should be influencing absolutely everything we do. If the Holy Spirit cannot influence that part of our life, I would say maybe it shouldn't be a part of our life. And so that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is one of the ways that the body develops unity. So as we're praying in the Spirit, and what we praying in the Spirit means we're seeking God's will in the situation. Many times I think we get things a little twisted. We get to thinking, you know, I'll use this as an example. A lot of guys, you know, drought and it's dry and well, you know, I had a guy say to me, well, ain't you praying for Brain? Well, I said, you better hope we don't get it all, that back order all at once, because you're going to need a boat. You know, sure I was. But it'll rain when it's God's will. 
do I still need to ask? And I, I need to ask with that thought in the back of my mind. I am not seeking to make God do my will. I'm seeking to find out what God's will is. And that's what prayer is really. Praying in the Spirit, that's really what praying in the Spirit is really all about. God, what is your will in this situation? And so as we persevere, perseverance is very critical in our prayer life. As we persevere in our prayer life, the body develops unity. So as we persevere, praying over the issues and things, ministry, how to do this and how to do that, and pray over our WANA program and this and that, it builds unity as we persevere, seeking not my will, but his will. That's a tough one. Because my will, I got some good ideas. But they're not better than his. And so I gotta lay my ideas down and seek his. Quench not the spirit. It, it, that means the thought there is put out a fire. How do we put out a campfire? Well, we kick dirt on it. Maybe we pour water on it. And many, many times, you know, we, you can cover a campfire in dirt and, and that'll smolder down there quite a while, you know. It's been quenched. It can't do what it could do without being quenched. And that's the thought, you know. The Holy Spirit is compared to fire. And the fire does a lot of things, and biblically it has a lot of, fire speaks of purity. Silver and gold is purified by fire. And uh, light, you light a fire, and uh, it gives you light, and it gives you warmth. But it's also compared to judgment. And so there's a positive aspect and a negative aspect to it in that sense of the word. The Holy Spirit's ministry is in the believer's life is to, to purify our prayer life. And as we persevere in our prayer life, praying in the Spirit, our hearts and minds become enlightened to the will of God. And then we wind up praying in accordance to Him. And when we get there, Praying in the Spirit, praying for the will of God, we see the power of God carry out the will of God. And we see God's will accomplished. One of the things we need to realize and comprehend is we're finding and praying for and seeking the will of God. What's the enemy doing? He's resisting it. He's coming against us. So that's one of the aspects of our prayer life is that we're, we're in spiritual warfare. Our battle's not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And our prayer life, that's what we're really, we're entering into this spiritual warfare with Satan. Praying for the will of God to be accomplished and for and that hinders the work of Satan. So I think there's 
two or three times in, in the book of Acts where it uses the word they were of. It was talking about the early church coming together, prayer meeting basically, and said they were in one accord. It was the Holy Spirit that got them to that point, that they were praying the will of God in one accord. It brought unity. Prayer life is crucial to building unity in the body of Christ. <clears throat> do not despise the prophecies. I do not think I would do injustice, a bit of injustice to that if I said do not despise the word of God. Because I believe that's exactly what it means. The reason, this is the first letter that Paul wrote. The Bible was not complete. It wasn't put together the way we have today. They did not have the completed Bible. Paul's letters are directed mainly for the church. It's basically directed to the church. And as we read Paul's writings, we know how we are to function as a church. They didn't have that at this time. The, the Bible was not complete. They had the Old Testament. And they had the apostles and their teaching. But they didn't have the completed scriptures. So how did that early church that didn't have a completed Bible, especially a New Testament Bible, how did they know what God wanted? It was the spiritual gift of prophecy. There were members in the church that God had given a spiritual gift of prophecy. The Holy Spirit would give that message to them, and then they would speak that message to the church. I don't believe that there, there are those that have that spiritual gift today because we have this completed scripture. In one of those meetings, a man might stand up and speak what the Holy Spirit had laid on him. And there might be another person there with the gift, same gift, that could say amen to it. How do you know if I'm speaking the truth? You got it there in your lap. It should be in your lap. Carry your Bible to church. It should be in your lap. This is how we know if we're being lied to or not if it's a false teacher or not. We have the Bible. We have the completed scripture. And God's done revealing. He's not bringing any more. And so we have it here. That's why I think I can say, do not despise the word of God. Now what does the word of God do? What did these guys do with the messages they brought? Well, they'd bring good messages. They would comfort the Word of God. God's messages comforts us. It encourages us, strengthens us, gives us God's wisdom, gives us instruction on how to live a life that pleases God. We get all of that from messages out of the Word of God, from the Word of God. And we can confirm those messages by using the Word of God. And so... If we're going to worship God, this book has to be at the center of it. Because this book reveals to us Jesus Christ from beginning to end. You realize Jesus is mentioned right there in Genesis, what is it, chapter 4? 
seed of the woman, capital S, that's Jesus Christ right there in the very beginning. He's spoken up throughout this book. Why does he say, do not despise the Word of God? Because the Word of God also reproves and corrects us. We don't like that, do we? I don't like to be corrected, but I need to be corrected. I liked what the Vernon McGee brought out this, listening to him. I, I, he preaches through the Bible, teaches through the Bible in a five-year program. Every five years, he's, I follow him. I, listen, I got an app, and I, I follow him every day. And I got another app where, I, where it, reads, it reads through the Bible in a year. I use both those. They work good. I, I can punch one on, drive up to the ranch, and when I drive back, I can punch the other one on, and, uh, and so I get to hear the Word of God beyond my no, normal reading every year. And every five years, when McGee teaches, he got to talking about John Bunyan, and Pilgrim, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, and John Bunyan wrestled around with this issue of righteousness being how do I be right with God John Bunyan come up with this opinion and it's right opinion Martin Luther came up with the same one why am I a sinner why do I sin because I am sin from the top of my head to the sole of my feet I am sin when Adam sinned he contaminated the whole person. That's my problem. I am sin. I just don't do wrong things. I am wrong. I'm wrong in my thinking. I'm wrong. And the only thing that can help me is Jesus Christ. He's the only hope I got. And so I need to understand that. And so I need verses that speaks against who I am as a sinner. That speaks against my very nature. I need those verses. And I need those messages that says, that's wrong. That's sin. You need to confess that. You need to repent from that. You need to turn from that. And I also need the positive side of it. I make the decision to say that is sin and confess it as sin and turn from it. I have no power to do anything with it. That's where God comes into the picture. I have the Holy Spirit. There is the power so that sin does not have to rule my life and dominate my life because I have the Holy Spirit. So don't despise the Word of God. Test all things. We have the Bible, we have prayer, we have the Holy Spirit, we test all things. We're supposed to sort out the good and the bad, good and the evil. There's a place for critical thinking. We need to have the Bible renewing our mind if we're going to be a critical thinker. And what a critical thinker just means you examine it.
somebody says something, you need to examine it in the light of the Word of God. We are to have the mind of Christ. We have been given the ability to have the mind of Christ. We need to develop it so we can sort out. Worship helps us experience God's peace. Now may the the God of peace himself sanctify. God is peace. Salvation has three aspects. Save from hell. That's the first step. Being saved from the control and dominion of sin in my life. That's a process that I'm in after I make the first step. And then the third one is we're going to be like he is. We're going to be with him in eternity forever. So we need to understand these three aspects of salvation. And if that first step hasn't been taken, nothing else matters. So that's the first step. I prayed with a guy one time and I we prayed for salvation. But I've struggled with it ever since then because I'm not sure I helped him understand the first step. He was going through a rough time, and I think way too many times we present the gospel this way. You know, come to Jesus Christ, he'll fix your life. Can he? Sure he can. That's not the, the you've got to take care of the first problem. Are you born again? Jesus said to Nicodemus, he had all kinds of biblical knowledge. He said, you must be born again. Have you been born again? Have you come to Jesus Christ and said, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. There's nothing I can do to save myself. I need you to save me. When we get to that point, then the sanctification starts. See, the first step, we have peace with God. Because we were a sinner and a sinner's against God. And when we come to Jesus Christ and ask forgiveness for our sins, receive Him, we have peace with God. But there's also the Bible speaks of the peace of God. And that's what it's referring to here. That the God of peace, when we get right with God, and then when we start walking with God, we can experience the peace of God. That the peace of God, that the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. So what's the purpose of worship? I come across this statement. Godly living, that's the purpose of worship. The purpose of worship is that we might become more like Christ in character and conduct. In other words, the more we focus on somebody, the more we become like them. That's where individual worship comes into the picture. I can remember when I was in grade school. Basketball became a big part of my life when I was in school. I can remember the first game my dad took me to when I was in grade school. In the little gym up there at the old, the old gym up there at the Arnold School, I remember that first game. I got fascinated with basketball. I was fascinated with it for years. 
I picked out some of those older guys, high school guys. I begged to go to every basketball game so I could watch them. I picked out some of those guys that was out there on the court that I thought was good players, and I just focused on them. Same way I watch my grandkids today. I don't see anybody else out there. My grandkids are the only one I see out there. But that's what I did with those guys. I, I focused on them. I looked at how they did and what they did and how they did it, and I focused on them. And that's what this is talking about. Worship focuses us on Jesus Christ so that we develop his character and conduct. The greatest definition of worship I ever read was given by William Temple, a late Archbishop of Canterbury. For to worship is to quicken the conscience to the holiness of God. God is completely and totally set apart from sin completely. It quickens our conscience to that holiness of God being so set apart. To feed the mind with the truth of God. There's the word. To purge the imagination by the beauty of God. To open the heart to the love of God. Now here it is. To devote the will to the purpose of God. Why am I on this earth? To please myself? No. God has a purpose for me in this. And the beautiful thing is, when I find and focus on that purpose, i found everything. Peace, contentment, joy. i found what my heart longs for before I became a Christian, out here pursuing the things of the world. When I found Jesus, I found it all. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what it takes to please us. Sanctify you and your whole spirit, body, and soul. We're tripartite, where God created us that way. When Adam sinned, the spiritual part of man became dead. We're spiritually dead. We're dead to the things of God. Soul is our emotions. That's where our will is seated, is in our soul. And then the body. body is a temporary temple, a temporary tent for our soul. And what's Jesus doing? And worship is a critical part of it. He's preserving us blameless. What's the next event in God's program? I've told you many times. What is it? Come on, somebody. What is it? Rapture. That's right. That's the next event in God's program. What has to happen before that event can happen? Nothing. Nothing. You're right. The next event in God's program is the rapture. <laughs> Nothing has to happen before that rapture can happen. We need to be aware of that. If you get nothing else from Frank Scott, get that. He's coming again. And it can happen at any time because nothing has to happen before that can happen. Nothing's going to happen until in God's program, nothing's going to happen. Seven-year tribulation and all that stuff that we get all caught up in. The Antichrist, that ain't going to happen until after the rapture happens. So what's our focus? What's the Holy Spirit up to? Look at that verse. What's the Holy Spirit up to? Preserving us blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. My whole person. Worship is a critical part of our sanctification. So as we focus on Jesus Christ, 
we become more and more like him. As we become more and more like him, we're prepared for the day that we will see him. Unashamed. There's a lot of people that's ready to die because they took care of the first step and they've ignored the rest of it, the sanctification. They've ignored worshiping him and praising him and focusing on him and they've ignored that. So they're not going to go to hell, but they're going to be ashamed when they step before him and realize I lived for myself and I didn't live for him. It's going to be an embarrassing day for many people that wouldn't take their heart and mind off the world and things of the world. Verse 24, God is faithful to do his part. Let us be faithful to do our part. What's our part? Obedience to the Word of God and submission to the Spirit of God. Obedience and submission is our part. That can be, as we come into the Christmas season, that can be our gift to God and ultimately to each other. Obedience to and submission to the Word of God. I'll end with this thought. Warren Wiersbe made this comment. When the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and churches, we have a warmth of love in our hearts, light in our minds, energy in our wills. Don't miss that part. Energizes our wills. He melts us together so that there is harmony and cooperation and he purifies us so that we put away sin. The fire of the Spirit must not go out on the altar of our hearts. The fire of the Spirit must not go out on the altar of our hearts. Now listen, how do we do that? We must maintain that devotion to Christ that motivates and energizes our lives. How do I keep the fire alive, the Holy Spirit alive? Devotion to Jesus Christ. Worship is a critical part of that. That's why we come together here as a body of believers and put our focus on Jesus Christ from beginning to end. That's what we do as a body of believers. It molds us together. But we need to do it individually too throughout the week so that we are ready for the next event, which is what? Rapture. You can say it louder than that. Somebody out there might need to hear it. What's the next event? What has to happen before the rapture? Nothing. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that we find in it. Thank you for the message. And Father, yes, thank you, even though it's spooky sometimes, to carry that message. But what a privilege it is. So give us the boldness that Paul prayed for and Peter prayed for, that that we would have a boldness to carry this message of hope into a world that's looking everywhere and, and it's all hopeless and they don't even realize it's hopeless. So prepare hearts to receive the message for it don't do us no good to carry us if you don't go before it and prepare hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.